Well, good morning, Life Point Fellowship. How y'all doing? <laughs> I've been trying. I've been working on my Texan. I think I have a long way to go. I think I sound like I'm from Alabama, maybe. But I'm trying. You know, I've been in, in your nation, in your state, for this past eight or nine days on a, on a tour of Texas, uh, preaching in Austin and down in Corpus Christi. I was in Dallas Friday night and Saturday morning, jumped on a plane so I could join you in Houston today. So I am so excited and expectant for what God is going to do. I fly home tomorrow, so, so you're going to get it all today. I've got to get everything that's out of me out today. You know, I love Texas. I love it here. It is amazing. You are some of the, the kindest people I have ever met. I mean, you have the biggest hearts in the world. But not only are your hearts big, I have learned something else this week, that everything here is pretty big. <laughs> your cars are big. Your shops are big. Your roads are big. Your food is big but also your frogs are big. <laughs> this week I met a bullfrog. Now, a bullfrog is bigger than some of the dogs we have in England. And it was like, welcome to Texas, baby. Welcome to Texas. So, uh, so it's great to be here, but I also want to thank your senior pastors, Pastor Cecil. Is that right? <laughs> Cecil. In England, we, we would say Cecil. Pastor Cecil, I'm sorry. And Pastor Lee, I've been practicing that all day. That's the most nervous thing, and I got it wrong. I got it wrong. But I, I, I've got to know this man over the past few months. We've been speaking on the phone, and we had an early breakfast this morning. And uh, this man, this man and his wife, Pastor Leah, they're the real deal. And I have been so blessed and inspired by their journey of faith, what they've been doing here in this church. And so I am excited to see where you're going as a church. You have incredible leadership. So why don't we thank them for the service that they provide. Well, as I said, I, I, I travel a lot and my favorite travel partner is my wife. Now, a lot of the brothers in here who are married can appreciate that, I'm sure. But, but, but she is at home. She could not come on this trip. You see, a few years ago, 2015, my wife and I had uh, ventured through a very difficult pregnancy. And we had got to the end of the nine months and three days before our first child, and that was a miracle conception, was due to, to come into the world, we, we went for the final scan, the final checkup, and they told us, we're sorry, we're sorry, but there is no beating heart. Her heart had stopped beating, there was no breath in her lungs. The next day we came back to hospital and my wife, we had the baby, and it's been very difficult, very tough, not an easy journey when you lose a child. When you lose a baby, we were told that we may never have children. That is what the doctor said. But we know a God that still works in the signs and wonders business. And it took several more months later, but my wife is not here today because she is looking after our miracle baby girl. Yeah, there she is. 
That's my Lila Hope. Her name means beautiful hope because we held on to hope in Jesus for many years. And so I'm just praying that as she gets older, she looks like her mother and not me. <laughs> I would not look good on a girl. Def definitely not. Anyway, I have a word for you this morning. I hope you've come ready. I hope you've come expectant. I want to pray for you, and then we'll get into the message. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you for what has already been accomplished. But Lord, I am so excited for what is to come in this town, in this city, in this, in this state, Lord. And God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice this morning, men, women, and children. I pray that they will leave this place different to the way they came in. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to move. I ask that minds will be renewed, hearts will be transformed, that your people will be inspired, they will be encouraged, they will be lifted up to you, O oh Lord. We thank you in advance for what you've already done and what you're about to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. The title of my message, if you're taking notes this morning, is this, make room for the master. Make room for the master. A few weeks ago, when I was back in England, my wife and I and, and our baby Lila, we were, we were heading to the airport. I had a flight to catch as I was preaching in the nation called Holland. And my wife was flying to Scotland to see her family. Everything was going well until we were about five minutes from the airport. We had got onto the highway, the, the motorway, where cars drive very fast, when all of a sudden, every warning light on my dashboard started to flash up, and instantly, the power in the car cut out. I was placing my, my feet on the acceleration, and nothing was happening. The car was shaking. There was no steering. We were grinding to a halt as cars were passing us by. We were in trouble. Oh, have you ever been in trouble? When that sinking feeling comes over you, when you are left helpless, when your joy turns to panic, when worry becomes the loudest voice in your head, when you don't know which way to turn, when a situation arises in your life that you have no idea how to cope with, you are in trouble. Or have you been in trouble? My assignment this morning comes from a passage in 2 Kings chapter 4, and it is about a woman a woman that was in trouble, but God, <laughs> but God. And so I'm going to read to you a few verses here, 2 Kings 4, verses 1 down to 7 and 8. And they're going to put it up on the big Texas Bible in any minute now. So let me read it to you. It says this, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what is it that you have in your house? 
Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elijah said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Do not ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour all the oil into the jars, and as each is filled, place them to one side. She left him, and she shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. Bring me another jar. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil. Pay your debts. You and your sons can live off what is left. It's a great story. So here we have a woman who was married to a prophet. And this prophet had the reputation of being a godly man. He obviously knew Elisha, but he was now dead. So the wife that he had left behind, we see had now was in debt, more debt than, than, than she could afford. She was distressed, distraught, and in trouble. Their house, which once permeated prayers and laughter and love, is now being filled with the doomed destruction and harsh reality of death. Death is in her house. So, so she, she does what desperate people do. When desperate people are in desperate need of a miracle, they are desperate for God to show up. And so she cries out in her desperation to Elisha. Elisha was a prophet. He was well known in that area for being a man of God, whereby signs and wonders followed him. So he walks into her house. There is no joy, no hospitality. No one offers him a drink or, or tries to take him to gringos. I was there last night. You do some pretty good tacos here. No one offers to wash his feet. The atmosphere is far from faith-filled. There is a heaviness in the air. This woman is not happy about her husband's death, and she starts offloading all of her deepest and darkest thoughts onto this man. She says, my husband was a good man. He loved the Lord. He served the Lord, but it does not seem to have done us any good. Why did this happen? How did this happen? It's so unfair, God. Why me? Why, 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 why? Or have you ever asked God those sorts of questions? You see, what do you do when you're living right? When you've been seeking God, you've been coming to church, you've been reading your Bible, you've been helping your neighbor, but you find yourself in the worst of times. What do you do when you've been knocking on heaven's door for a certain prayer that you desperately desire to see God answer, but he hasn't yet shown up? What do you do when your faith has run dry? Elisha walks into a situation that looks beyond repair. This distraught widow thinks that she is out of options. I mean, it's one thing to sell your truck. It's one thing to sell your iPad. It's one thing to sell your, your, uh, your phone. But to sell your children, to sell your, your, your children, they are her future. 
They are her inheritance, her retirement plan. No mother in her right mind wants to sell her children. But this is how desperate the woman is. But in the chaos of it all, she has forgotten who is standing in her house. Oh, friend, can I tell you that whenever you invite the presence of God into your house, something has to change. Something has to change. That dilemma has to dissolve. That crisis has to shift. That problem has to pass. You may be out of options today. You may have walked into church desperate today. But I have to tell you this, that if God is in your house, then he's about to turn things around. He's about to pour you out a blessing. He can even make a way where there seems to be no way. Oh, I believe there's a miracle coming because God is in your house. God is in my house. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is in my house. Now turn to your least favorite neighbor and say, God is in my house too. (laughs) Some of you husbands are in trouble when you get home. You turn the wrong way first. So, So this woman, in her predicament, explains to Elisha her situation. And Elisha responds with two questions. He says, how can I help you? And what is it that you have in your house? Notice that he didn't say, what can I bring from my house? No, what is it that is in your house? To to which she replies, nothing except a small jar of oil. And uh, we see a fascinating conversation begin to take shape here. You see, God will always use what he has already placed in your house. But you have to know first what he has put in you. You need to know what is in you. Where she saw nothing, Elisha saw potential. He saw that the ingredient for her miracle was already there. It just needed somebody with eyes of faith to activate it. Oh, how good it is that when you have people around you with eyes of faith, people who see the gold in you, people who encourage you, people who see God's hand on your life, people who can recognize the gifts and the talents that are unique to you. But this woman, this widow, she is not alone in her thinking. Isn't it funny how how we can all see the best in other people sometimes, that that we can cheer them on and we can believe in them, but, but we cannot believe in ourselves. In fact, sometimes if we're really honest, we can look in the mirror and utter words under our breath like, I'm a nobody. I'm a failure. I wasn't born with that gift. I just don't have enough resource. I think God forgot about me. Life is so unfair. Friend, the enemy wants to paralyze your productivity by trying to convince you that there is nothing in you, that you have missed your moment, that you have lived out your best days, that you've blown it. Well, the devil is a liar because when you begin to discover and celebrate that there is something unique buried deep down on the inside of you, then you become attractive to be around, that who you are is just who God requires to fulfill his will this side of heaven. Oh! You are the apple of his eye. Oh, you fit his bill. You're the rose between two thorns. I'm English. Let's get romantic in here. (laughs) He doesn't need a Pastor Cecil, another Pastor Cecil. 
He doesn't need another Pastor Leah. He doesn't need another Pastor Thomas. No, he needs you to be you. He wants you to be you. So when you think you're nothing, God says you are something, that, that, that you are a royal priesthood, that you are a child of God, an heir of Christ, created in his image, set apart to do great things. You are the head and not the tail. You have been loved and forgiven. You are justified and redeemed. You are indeed a miracle in the making. I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> I may be English, but I'm not that reserved. What is in you, what is in your house, is enough to take you to the next level. It is enough to get you through your trouble. You just need to start looking at things with eyes of faith. For when you allow God to touch what you think is ordinary, then something extraordinary will happen. Look at Moses. Moses had an ordinary walking stick, but when God touched it, it parted the Red Sea. David, my goodness, David had an ordinary slingshot, but when God touched it, it brought down Israel's greatest giant, Samson. Samson had the jawbone of a donkey, but when God touched it, it defeated 1,000 Philistines. The, the young boy with a few loaves of bread and two fish, oh, it didn't seem much, but when God touched it, something extraordinary happened, and over 5,000 people were fed on that day. This widow had a small, what seemed like an insignificant jar of oil, but when God touched it, something extraordinary happened. God will use the something that you already have. Stop worrying about what you don't have. Stop looking at what other people have. Stop comparing yourself. Stop, stop trying to be someone you have not been designed to be and ask God today, show me what is it that I do have? What is in you is enough to get you through your breakthrough. You just need to look at it with eyes of faith. Eyes of faith. Elisha recognized that something small placed in the hands of a very big God can change everything. It can change everything. She thought she had nothing except a small jar of oil. Wow. Elisha then says to her, he says, go and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Do not ask for just a few. I love what he says there. Don't ask for just a few. This is a big hint from Elisha that something is about to happen. Something is about to happen, almost suggesting from the off that the more determined you are to look a little crazy in going around your neighbor's houses and knocking on their door, asking them for empty jars, then the more you will see God at work. The more uncomfortable you are willing to make yourself, the more God will meet you there. The more you position yourself for a miracle, the more God will take you by surprise. But you are the one that has to step out first. You are the one that has to take the first step. You see, faith is taking the first step without seeing the whole staircase. Faith is the bridge between your natural thoughts and our supernatural God. 
Faith is bringing the little you think you have into God's presence that initiates his response. Oh, I wonder, are there any faith-filled people in Houston, Texas this morning? Or should I say Pearlland? Pearlland, Texas. Because we're in Pearlland. I just like to say it. Pearlland. It just sounds powerful. I love it. Do you have any faith? I learned this lesson of radical faith when I was 21 years old. I was in Bible college. And a group of us had been asked to go into a local community and help out in the community, cut people's grass, paint the sheds, clean up people's homes. And so, so, so off we went for the day, and it was a long day. It was a, it was a tiring day. And at the end of it, we got on the bus, and, and we drove back to church. As we were driving along, right in the distance, I mean right in the distance, there was a couple of fields, a couple of meadows. There was a woman. And this woman was tending her horses. And I felt the Holy Spirit just nudge, nudge me, said, Luke, stop the bus. I pushed that thought down. I thought, I'm not doing that. A couple of seconds later, again, I heard the word, stop the bus. Again, I just ignored it. I wasn't going to stop the bus with, with everyone else on it. Ten seconds passed, and the guy sitting behind me shouted, stop the bus. <laughs> stop the bus. Everyone thought, what's he doing? We pulled the bus over. He got out of the bus and he literally ran across these fields to this woman right in the distance. I mean, she was so far away, you could barely see her. 30 minutes passed and he was waving for us all to join him. We made our way over the field and, and we met this woman. And this woman was crying. She was hysterical. I mean, she was distraught. And it turns out that, that this woman, she did not know God. She had never been to church. She didn't even know who Jesus was. But she was going through a painful divorce. And that morning, she wanted to kill herself. She wanted to commit suicide. And she said, God, if you are real, then send someone to me today. My goodness, we took that woman to church on Sunday night. She made a decision to put her faith in Jesus and her life changed upside down. All because someone stopped the bus. Stop the bus. Stop the bus. That's a good hashtag right there. Stop the bus. Oh, are you prepared? Are you prepared to stop the bus? Are you prepared to make a fool of yourself by activating radical faith? Are you prepared to do something that only faith can carry you through? Are you prepared to go out and gather more jars? Are you prepared to look a little bit silly? Oh, it might look a bit inconvenient. You might be putting yourself out there. You might feel a little bit uncomfortable, but that is the sort of faith God's eyes search the earth to find people with radical faith. Radical faith. I love that about this church. Your pastor has been telling me about the plans of expansion and moving forward. That's faith. Making more space. Making more room. Why? So that people can come in and encounter Jesus. It takes faith to take on such a project. It takes faith when you don't know perhaps how everything is going to work out. And maybe you yourself, you find yourself in a season you didn't expect to be in. 
Perhaps you don't even know where God is taking you to. It takes faith. It takes faith to walk with God. You may not understand where he's calling you, but faith doesn't demand details. You just need to have some faith. Very rarely does he show you everything at once. He hasn't shown me what I will be doing at 35 years old, at 40 years old, at 50 years old, at 60 years old, at 70 years old. He hasn't shown me that. If he did, I would want to fast forward a few of those years. Perhaps I'd want to rewind a few of those years. Maybe I would want to press pause on a couple of those years and perhaps I would want to erase, delete, Cut out a few of those years. You see, very rarely, very rarely does God uh, show you the full picture. He gives you a glimpse. He gives you a glimpse, but not the full picture. He gives you a clue, but not the complete answer. He gives you a taste, but not always the main course. Why? Why? Because he wants you to take the step. 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 Oh, do you trust him? Do you trust him? Are you willing to walk with him when you pass through the valley to get to your mountaintops? Are you really ready for what God has called you to? Are you ready to pick yourself up and keep taking the steps? Are you ready this morning? Are you ready? Is this helping you today? See, I love how Elisha is putting the level of miracle she wants to experience back onto her. He's putting it back onto her. Don't you ask for just a few. He is teaching us something. And if you do not remember anything else I say today, remember this. He is teaching her that the more room you make for God, the more God will move in your life. The more room you make for God, the more God will move in your life. We can be so controlling over our agenda, over our time, over our energy. We can be so limited in our thinking that we give God very little space to work with. Now, I am not saying that God cannot work in small spaces. Just a small jar of oil is all he needs. But this miracle was determined by how many jars had the capacity, had the space for God to pour into. It was about capacity. It was about space. A couple of years ago, my wife and I bought our first home. And we were decorating the house. My in-laws, my Lisa's mum and dad came down from Scotland to help us. And my father-in-law and I were in the utility room. We were painting. When all of a sudden, we heard a noise. It was a scratching type of noise. It was a noise that does not belong in the utility room. Now, I have lived in a house before where, where there was mice, and that's what I thought it was. So I did what all brave men would have done in my situation. I went round to my neighbor's house and asked to borrow his cat. Now, now let me tell you, this cat was no ordinary cat. His name was Dylan, and Dylan had biceps and triceps and... <laughs> 
I mean, he was ripped and buff. He, he was good looking. He was as good looking as your senior pastor right here. And so we brought Dylan into the utility room and he quickly identified where the noise was coming from. It was coming from the tumble dryer. So, so, so we, we looked inside and we couldn't see anything. After about 20 minutes, Dylan walked off due to boredom. So it was just me and my father-in-law. We pulled the tumble dryer out and we saw a small hole in the back and we thought that is where he got in. We shined a torch in there, but we still couldn't see anything. So we began to take off the side panel. Now, when we peeled the panel back, I saw something. Whoo! It's bringing back the memories. It was big. It was black. It was furry. There was a bird in my tumble dryer. There he is. Right there. Now, this bird is what's called a sand martin. And a sand martin is one of the quickest birds of the sky. So we have a problem. If we let this bird out in our house, we will never catch him. So my father and I, Laura and I, carry the tumble dryer into the garden. As we take off the panel, we see something else. The bird is trapped. His wing is caught. So I make the most embarrassing phone call of my life. I ring the local bird sanctuary. And I say, hello. They say, hello, sir. How can we help you? I said, I have a bird in my tumble dryer. They said, okay, could you repeat that, please? I said, I have a bird in my tumble dryer. And the moment I said that, the bird started to wriggle himself free. It stretched out his wings and it took off high into the sky. It began to soar. It was a majestic sight. Wow. Wow. And as I stood there watching this bird, I felt God speak to me. And he said, Luke, as birds have not been designed to live in small spaces, then we too have not been designed to put a limit on our faith in God. We have been called to soar on wings like eagles, to ride high above the storms in our life. We serve a faithful God. We serve a God that is magnificent, infallible, and omnipotent. A God who knows the answers before you even thought of the question. A God who is God all by himself. Oh, how we can forget sometimes just how big and how powerful he is. He is a loving God. He is a gracious God. He is a forgiving God. He is a God that still operates in the signs and wonders business. So hear Elisha's words when you are presenting your requests to him. Don't just ask for a few. For the measure you use will be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall be poured into your lap. Oh, Life Point Fellowship, I hope that you do not settle for average in life. I hope your prayers are crazy prayers. I hope your dreams are audacious dreams. They should look impossible to accomplish. That is why you need God. Life's too short for small time thinking. 
Do you know, I'd rather at least try walking on the water than stay in the boat. I'd rather at least look a little bit silly walking around the walls of Jericho, hoping that God's going to do something than just stay camped up in the palace. I'd rather at least attempt, attempt to get off the ground and soar on wings like eagles than spend my days in the chicken pen. I want to give it a go. I want to go after all that God has in store for me. And I want the same for you. But it requires trust. It requires faith. God will open the doors, but do you have the courage? Do you have the faith? Do you trust him enough to walk through it? Oh, I know some of you say, God, I don't get it, but I trust you. I don't know where I'm going, but I trust you. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill, but I trust you. I don't know how I'm going to build my business, but I trust you. I don't know how I'm going to raise my children, but I trust you. I don't know which path I should take, but I trust you. I don't know what decision I need to make, but I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Oh, would somebody make more room for the master? Make room for the master. Turn to three people. High five three people and tell them, make room for the master. Make room for the master. Tell your neighbor, make room for the master. If I can call the band forward as I bring this to a close. I love Texas. I love your football over here too. Are there any Houston Texans in the house? What about the Dallas Cowboys? I'll, I'll pray for you after the service. I'll pray for you guys later. My team is the New York Giants, but they're not too good these days. Pray for me to get a new team. Maybe I should just support the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, stay with me. So the miracle is now positioned to take place. The jars have been collected and the space has been made. Notice how Elisha never told this widow that the jars had to be certain specifications. He said that they didn't have to be brand new. They didn't have to come from Walmart. They didn't have to come from Macy's. They didn't have to come from HEB. Just get me some jars. Any jars will do. It doesn't matter if they're chipped. It doesn't matter if they're broken. It doesn't matter the journey that those jars have been on. What I'm interested in is the capacity. I'm interested in what's inside of that vessel. You see, the worth, the treasure is in the oil. The oil is where the value is. Not in the external, it is in the internal. And that should make some of you very happy today. See, it doesn't matter the journey you've been on. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter how many times you've slipped up. If you come before God, if you open your heart to Him, He will fill you up. He will fill you up. The value is what He has placed on the inside. And so the Bible says that, that, that she shuts the front door. And I, I find this really funny. Why would the Bible say that? 
No one needs to tell you when you go home this afternoon to shut your front door. You should do it automatically. But it's in the Bible because I believe God wanted to teach us that sometimes we just need to shut out the distractions. You're believing for a miracle, you need to shut out the distractions. And so she shuts the door. She shuts the door and she begins to pour. And pour. And the first jar fills up. She says to her son, bring me another one. Bring me another one. And she begins to pour. And again, it fills to the top. And she says, bring me another jar. Bring me another jar. She begins to pour. The miracle that she has been believing for is taking place right before her eyes. Right before her eyes, the miracle is in motion. And, and again, again she says, bring me another jar. Bring me another jar. And they said, there is not another jar left. There is not another jar left. No, 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 please, come on, bring me another jar. It is not left. And the Bible says that in that moment, the oil stopped flowing. Yes, she could now go and pay off the oil, sell her debts and, and live off what was left, but, but God hadn't finished yet. God still had more to give. He had more to show. He had more to do, but she hadn't made the space. She hadn't made room for the master to pour in what he had to pour in. God hadn't run out. God hadn't run dry. God hadn't stopped. Some of you need to hear that today. Friend, don't allow the lack of your jars, the doubting of your faith, the restriction of your resource, the questioning of your obedience, the problems of your past to hinder what God wants to pour into your life today. Oh, He wants to pour out. He has so much to give you. He has so much in store for you. And that is why I came all the way from England to tell you this, make more room for the Master. Make more room for the Master. God wants to do more than just get you out of trouble. He has more. He has so much more. That is why He sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross and pay the penalty for our sins. He rose again so that you and I could live our life to the full. He rose again so that we could walk in His power. He rose again so that we could see the impossible come to pass. He rose again so that you could take new ground, conquer new heights, claim greater territories. He rose again so that He could send His Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to reside on the inside of you so that you would see even greater things than what Jesus did. Wow. Wow. That God is alive in you today, but you must play your part. You must gather the vessels. You must get on board with God's plan for your life. You need to start lifting your level of expectation, increasing that faith. Some of you need to go out today and stop the bus. You need to stop the bus. You need to stop the bus. Stop the bus and get ready and get ready, and get ready. I believe this morning 
that God is about to pour His oil into your life like never before. But it's going to take you to play your part. Some of you in this place need to start praying again. Some of you need to start trusting again. Some of you need to start believing again. Oh, the increase is coming. The blessing is coming. The breakthrough is coming. But have you gathered the jars? Have you made more room for the master? Are you ready? Are you really ready for what God has in store for you? Are you ready? Are you ready for your miracle child? Are you ready for your healing? Are you ready for your breakthrough? Are you ready to be used by God? Are you ready to stop the bus? Oh, for some of you, you need to turn the page today. It is time to turn the page. Turn the page. Turn the page. For you will never unlock your destiny if you stay stuck in your history. God has more. God has more. Nothing, nothing is impossible for Him. If you believe it today, would you stand to your feet? Would you lift your hands high? And would you praise Him like you mean it? Come on, let's worship Him in this place this morning.